he was involved. Just before the break we spoke about us having to be people who look after the micro or are involved in the micro and macro aspects of the home. But if life does not permit us, then at least the macro. Today how many of us are involved in the macro? Right? In the overall ventures of the home, how many of us sit down with our wives with regards to the curriculum of our child? How many of us sit down and say, right, what's the plan? What have you been doing with them? Or what do you aspire with regards to them? And see whether it meets your vision. If we have a vision. We told the brothers the other day that it's all about television. It's not about vision anymore. But if you have a vision, then you, you work hand in hand, you're involved. If you can't actually engage in the actual teaching, the actual micro aspects of running the home, then at least in the macro. How many of us sit down with our wives and say, what do you plan to cook for the week, for example? On a macro level. So you understand yourself, the needs of your wife for that week. And you can benchmark it against your timetable for that week. And be an effective husband in involving her criteria. And timetable in yours, because it's your duty. You are the qawwam. You are responsible for this household. You know, talking about what food's going to be cooked, this is something minute. But we don't even do the minute, so how, how are we going to do the greater, which is looking after the actual nurturing of the children and their growth. So we're not manning up, if I can use that term. We're not, this is a colloquial term. We're not manning up. We're not playing our part. We must be involved in the education. We must be involved in the upbringing. And subhanAllah, today many a time, if not in the majority of circumstances, we're always pointing our finger at the madrasa. At the Mawlana, at the Shaykh. He's not teaching our child well. The Quran is, is not up to date because it's the teacher's fault. The adab and adab and etiquettes and manners of this child is not up to date because it's the teacher's fault. I send him to the madrasa and the, he's not learning anything. No. No. A common theme of our series is when you point one finger, three fingers are pointing back at you. When you point one finger, three fingers are pointing back at you. Since when did bringing up your child become the role of the teacher at the madrasa? And the imam of the masjid? Since when? Under which law did this happen? It's your job to bring up your child, to teach them Qur'an, to teach them etiquettes and manners and morals and adab and adab and so on and so forth. And it's the teacher's and imam's job to complement your role as a parent, not to become a parent and do your job for you. You can't pay a person to, to be a parent to your child. You can't. And don't forget the imam or the maulana or the sheikh. He has other children with him at the same time. And he has his own children at home that he has to worry about. SubhanAllah. His job is to complement. The school's job in society is to complement our role. It doesn't mean that the school teaches them math that we shouldn't sit and teach our child math. And many of us do. We'll sit down with them because it's got to do with the dunya. And again, the personality. What will my neighbor and friend say if my child doesn't pass? If he doesn't get those A stars? That person's child got the A stars. We're all trying to beat the Jones, as they say. It's personalities. Unnecessary stress we create in our homes. Why? Because we're competing with the next person. Sometimes we fail to appreciate this pearl of a child that we have in front of us, 
and the specific characteristics that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this child because we're too busy trying to make our child emulate the neighbor's child or the relative's child or the in-law's child or the friend's child. It doesn't matter if they didn't get A-stars. They have qualities which are A-star qualities that that child doesn't have. So our priorities become mixed because we stop contemplating and taking a moment to ponder and think. And thus we stop being leaders and we stop to produce leaders. And we know how difficult the situation is today. If it's difficult for us, how will it be for our children? And it is an amanah upon this ummah to revive that which requires revival. This is the whole concept of this tour. Making our mark. It is our duty as a Muslim. When you recite the shahada, it became your right to be the best, to revive. It became your right. Because this is what Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa did. So it's your right, but today we're not taking our right. We want other people to take our rights. We want other people to upbring our children and to be our children's parents. And if we could pay someone to make money for us, we would do so as well. But the problem is if he makes more money than we pay him, he wouldn't work for us. It's common sense. So that doesn't work. We get the gist of the discussion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the father a role. And the husband a role. And it's important that we are involved in that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us as a role. The role of protecting ourselves and our families from the hellfire. It means we have to be involved in some way. We have to sit down with our spouse. We have to sit down with our children. It's important. It's important. We can't have this do as I say, not as I do attitude. It doesn't work. It doesn't work on this level in terms of the responsibility which Allah has given us. And it doesn't work in, within the remit and realm of creating leaders. We can't be telling our child to observe salah, but we don't. Or tell them to go observe salah in the masajid, but we don't. Or tell them to have good relations with relatives, but we don't make an active effort. It can't work. Children are imitative. What they see, they will become. وَاللَّهُ أَخْرَجَكُم مِّن بُطُونِ أُمَّهَاتِكُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ شَيْئًا Allah extracted you from the wombs of your mothers and you knew nothing. And Allah placed our children under our care as parents to teach and educate and nurture. If they didn't become that, the problem is not with the child, it's with you. There's a famous story I was telling the brothers of Gandhi. Gandhi once was at a function and he asked his child to pick him up from this function at a specific time. But this child went to the movie house to watch a movie. And someone saw this child there. And this is a long time ago. A long time ago. So what this person did after the movie ended, he went to the payphone and phoned Gandhi and said, I saw your son at the movie house. Right? Let's not talk about that. That's another sickness in society. Allah al-Musta'an. We have to be active and proactive. Right? So anyway, the son got to his father late. And... His father asked him, where were you? Why were you late? So he says, I had a breakdown. That's perceivable. It's something which makes sense. So the father said, uncle so-and-so called me and said that you were at this movie. Is it true or isn't it true? So he was caught out. So he says, it's true. So Gandhi, look, he says, he wept. He was upset. He wept and he was upset. And he said, today I have to punish myself. Because I didn't do my job as a parent. My whole life, 
I tried to teach you honesty, but today I've seen that it wasn't successful. Thus today, I will walk home. Walking the walk and talking the talk. Not saying somebody else must teach my child how to be honest. He says, I'll walk home. And it was a long distance. And he walked. And the son drove behind him, begging his father to get into the car. He says, no, I have to punish myself for not doing my job. And he gets home, tired, collapses, dehydrated. And the son says, from that day onwards, I never told a lie. You see, when, you, when you're a leader, and you nurture leadership within the generation that comes after you, this is doing your job. And Gandhi was freeing India from apartheid. Nobody can say, well, he had time. We don't have time. <laughs> you know, we have to work. He was freeing India from apartheid. He, he also didn't have time. But you made time. You understand your responsibilities and priorities. So this is important. This is important. We must do as we say. This is from being a leader, brothers and sisters, and it's from nurturing leadership within our children. Children, they imitate. They're imitative by nature. We see how they copy things that they see on the television. Right? And this is common sense. I mean, today, why would... A cereal company, for example, pay millions to a footballer for this footballer to give them permission for his face to be on the cereal box. Why? Why is this the case? Ponder and think. Who eats these cereals, these sugary cereals? The children. But they know that these children like to imitate. If they see that that superstar is eating this cereal, they will want to eat it, irrespective of how good it is or how bad it is. When they see that this image is here, they want to imitate. That guy is cool. And he eats the cereal, we want to be cool as well. Right? So they imitate. They imitate. Now, now you've understood that when a company wants to market their product, they first go to a psychologist. They don't go to the marketing company. They ask the psychologist, how does it work? How can I sell this sugary cereal? The marketing company will say, you see, these children, they like round figures. If you've seen the cartoons, the round figures are the goodies. And the square figures are the baddies. Subhanallah, we've seen so much fitna in the world today that we've gone past baddies. We've got maddies now. They're mad. Alakullihan. The cartoons, they're still on the baddies phase. So what you need to do is come up with a, a roundish figure. Like a tiger or something. Right? And then make this the representative of this product. And what do we do as parents? Alhamdulillah. We don't have time. And we love our children. So we buy them the television. We don't want them to be bored. We, want, we, we work for them. This is why we go to work. To buy them the 32 inch television. And then it's 52 inch. And then it's something else. Sometimes we need to rebuild the walls in our house. Because the TVs are getting bigger than the walls. They can't fit, right? So what happens now is, we bought them the TV, and our child is there in front of the TV, is occupied. So he sees this figure doing all cool things, jet skiing. And after he finishes jet skiing, he's got his bowl of whatever this product is. So it's done. Your child is sold. Your child has become a consumer before they even knew how to earn money. They learned how to spend it. Before they learned how to make it, they learned how to spend it. So then you go to the supermarket and what happens now? They say, right, now what you have to do is this product, you have to put it on the lower shelves. Not on the higher shelves, because these 
people, their height, these children, their height is about this high. So when they walk next to their mothers, they need to look to the right and the left and see this stuff. If it's too high, they won't. Just the other day I was reading that now supermarkets are going to charge you based on the shelf that you want your product on. Makes a difference, right? Subhanallah. يَعْلَمُونَ ظَاهِرًا مِنَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا They know everything about the dunya. But with regards to the akhirah, they are in oblivion. Ala kulli hal. So your child goes to the supermarket and he sees this box and he sees this figure and he says, Mommy, I want to eat this. He doesn't know what it is. Or she doesn't know what, what it is, but she knows it's cool to do so. It excites them to do so. Ala kulli hal, they imitate. The message here is they imitate. What you do, they will imitate. How many times have we seen our young child growing up, they get to the age of two, two and a half, and they're doing things and you think, Subhanallah, I can see myself there. It's exactly like this. My son Abdullah, was, when he got to, when he was growing up, Subhanallah, he would do certain things. And I'd say to myself, La ilaha illallah. That just looks like me. And my dear wife would say, yes, he's copying you. That's exactly what you do. You know, sitting style, resting style, so on and so forth. They copy, they imitate. After all, you are everything in their life. So my way or the highway does not work. My way or the highway does not work. Do as I say and not as I do does not work. If you want to teach them adab, be a person of adab. If you want to teach them good manners, be a person of good manners. If you want to teach them akhlaq, be a person of akhlaq. If you want to teach them to be selfless people that worry about the community, that are concerned about the masjid and the affairs of the masjid, and get involved, become that person, and you will see by default they will start becoming that. Because through action, you've taught them that which should be beloved. You've taught them that which should be beloved. When they see you giving charity, they will give charity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Now, so, we get the idea, right? Not the idea written behind me here. That's another idea. Islamic development to encourage action. We get the idea, the light bulb in our head. Insha'Allah. Taib, I think we've discussed enough, the fathers and the husbands. Let's go to the mothers. <laughs> Let's go to our mothers and our wives. What can we say about our mothers and wives? They like the moon, serene, beautiful to look at. So we, we don't want to say much. We don't want to say much because there's gloomy faces. Why are you guys all uh, gloomy at the moment? Our, has a light bulb switched on in our heads? Don't lose hope in the mercy of Allah. Don't lose hope in the mercy of Allah. Tayyip. So our sisters are behind, so we won't say anything that makes them gloomy, inshallah. We'll uh, format the discussion in a, in a different way. Our mothers are entities of the home, as we've seen from the ayah in Surah Yusuf. And our wives, our mothers have a great role to play in developing leaders. In fact, they are leaders themselves and we'll come to that. Now today's society, in many a circumstance and way, tries to take away the beauty from the name mother. And take away the beauty from the term housewife. Today when we say housewife, it sounds, it sounds off. That we even have to engineer the name now and say, you know what, you know, it's not called housewife, it's called domestic engineer. It's a different title to this profession, right? I have a different title to it as well, and that is the title of trim tabbers. Mothers and wives are trim tabbers. What's a trim tabber? This term was coined by Stephen Covey. I'm just 
evolving the usage of the tab. A trim tabber is the small rudder on the ship that turns, which makes the bigger rudder on the ship turn, which makes the whole ship turn. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Imagine this. Who wants to be an accountant out there in the corporate world when you can be a trim tabber? Who wants to be out there in the corporate world doing any profession when you can be a trim tabber? Now, I'm not putting down the importance of educating ourselves as females and being able to carry society. This is important. But I'm saying don't do it at the expense of the greater and the more important. The travesty is when we do that at the expense of the greater. That's the travesty. We're not saying don't do it. We're saying yes, do it. But don't do it at the expense of that which is more important. It doesn't mean society said it's less important than it, that it's less important. The sharia came to set down right from wrong. Right from wrong. It doesn't matter what society thinks. Yes, you're strange. As I told the brothers the other day, why not? We should be strange people. Islam began strange. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Glad tidings to the strange people. You must be strange. A strange one is somebody who's, who's doing something that's not the status quo, the norm of society. Now we're not saying that everything strange is good. But I'm saying when you follow the sharia and that becomes strange, you should be happy. You should be happy. You're a reviver. You've revived something. So our mothers and wives, they're trim tabbers. They are the small rudder that turns the big rudder that turns the entire ship. The imams had mothers. And they were the means of them becoming leaders. Imam Malik, did you not take Imam Malik to his teacher and say, Allimhul adab, teach him adab, qabla an tu'allimahul ilm. Look at the advice of a mother. That's a leader. And she created a leader. Imam Dar al-Hijrah, Imam Malik, rahmatullahi alayhi. Imam Abi Hanifa had a mother. Imam Ahmed had a mother. Imam al-Shafi'i had a mother. The giants upon whose shoulders we are trying to walk. We can't say we walk, we're trying to walk on their shoulders. These giants had mothers. La ilaha illallah. You see how important it is? They were the core and the epicenter behind them becoming leaders. And they were the ships that turned the world's direction. But you see how that ship needs a rudder. You don't see the rudder, but it's there. And how that rudder needs another rudder. It's there. It's there. So my dear mothers and sisters, you are trim tabbers. You are trim tabbers. Now, our mothers, walillahi alhamdulillah, natural leaders. They're natural leaders. As I said, I'm going to try and speak about this in a way that makes our sisters smile, alhamdulillah. Because women are softer than males. Let's can take a bit of a knock. Alright? Our mothers are natural leaders. Think about it. If we ponder, if we sit back now and think of our mothers, what do we think about? We think about subhanallah, how they had vision all the time. All the time. Right? They would juggle 101 household chores. You wake up in the morning, it's getting the kids ready for school, getting the husband's breakfast ready, making sure his clothes are ironed, making sure the kid's uniform is there, making sure the right books for the right subjects are in the bag so you don't go to school and it's science and you've got a math book instead of a science book. Is this not true? They're juggling 101 things. But tomorrow, what they're doing today matches what they want to achieve tomorrow. And what they did tomorrow matched what they wanted to achieve the next day. They never got lost. 
Amazing visionaries. Amazing visionaries. That in doing 101 things, they never lost sight of the goal. They never lost sight of the goal. This is a visionary. This is the first quality of leadership. They say a leader must be a visionary. Must have a vision. Must know where they want to get to. This is our mothers. Our mothers, they... When we ponder, when we ponder over everything that they are and that they were, if they've passed away, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant them graves which are gardens from the gardens of Jannah. And if they are alive, then we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to preserve them in His obedience. And if you're not a mother yet, we ask Allah to make you a mother soon. Amin, amin, amin. Ya Rabbal Alameen. So, we see that they had an amazing ability to exercise patience. This is another leadership quality. They would exercise patience in juggling all these activities, in dealing with the different natures of the child. One child is upset, one child is crying, one child is sulking, one child is happy. Dealing with all these personalities from morning till evening and still meeting a husband with a smiley face. What amazing patience. And she wakes up the next day to do it again. Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. It was not a case where khalas, it's done. Tomorrow, that's it, I've retired. They never would retire. They mothers right till the end, subhanAllah. Now even if you're 50 years old or 60 years old, your mother still sees you as a child. If you came home and told your mother, for example, that look, today I got this, she'll say, yeah, look after it. You might be a 50-year-old man, but she'll say, just look after it. Because to her, you're still her child. So they have this amazing ability to be patient. This is a mother's role in the home. Right? So what have we taught our sister so far? They need to be visionaries. They need to be patient. But we're teaching it in a different way. We're discussing our mothers and how they were. This is the qualities of the female. We discussed what the qualities of the male should be in the home to exacerbate leadership in the home. And the presence of it. These are our mothers. They are patient. Also our mothers... They had amazing abilities to make herself sufficient. This is what a leader does. A leader never ever leads their team in such a way that they're only dependent on them. They always lead it in a way that they become leaders in and of themselves in the tasks that they do. This whole concept of taking ownership. Taking ownership. Our mothers taught us that. Did they not make us clean our rooms when we got to the age? They cleaned it for us when we couldn't pick up things. But as soon as we could, they taught us to pick it up. And if we didn't, there was a naughty corner. <laughs> right? So they taught us self-sufficiency. A mother should have this quality. To teach the child to be self-sufficient. This is from the qualities of being a leader. And from the qualities of making someone a leader. When you're a visionary, you make them a visionary. When you're patient, you give them the quality of patience. When you... When you introduce in their lives the concept of self-sufficiency, they will take it to the next level when they go, when they traverse throughout their lives. But you've taught it to them. So our mothers had this amazing ability to teach us how to be self-sufficient. Our mothers inspired us. This is from the qualities of a leader. They were inspired. They taught us inspiration and the qualities of being an inspired individual. So they were leaders and they have nurtured us to become leaders. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them the highest paradises. Ameen. They taught us how to inspire others. We know this. 
we know this, that they would always teach us to take the higher ground. A father might say, you know what, if somebody is bullying you, bully him back. What would a mother say? That? No, you should, you should behave in this particular manner. You should behave in, an, in a different manner. You should try and diffuse the situation this way. They always taught us to be inspirational, how to inspire others. They don't tread the same path as the next person. If a person is treading the low path, don't follow the low path. Show them the high path. Don't go down to their level. Bring them up to your level. Not so. This is the quality of the female in the home. Again, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them the highest paradises. So a leader should know how to inspire others. This is a mother. This is a mother. So the man has his roles. And the female has her roles. But as parents by default, there has to be joint roles. There has to be joint roles. And this is what I want to discuss with you all before we end our discussion for the remainder of our talk today. We can go on and on about the subhanAllah, but we're trying to just, you know, being a leader yourself and creating a leader is not going to come from this talk. But inshallah, we have something to think about. As a father, we have something to think about. As a mother, we have something to think about. Are we as mothers people of vision, visionaries? Are we patient? Are we teaching our children inspiration? Are we teaching them self-sufficiency? And obviously there's many, many more roles that we can talk about because a mother is the epicenter of the home. Right? And inshallah one day Allah will bring us together so we can talk about parenting. Amen. Amen. Now brothers and sisters, as parents together, as parents together, we need to become people that are in touch with our children. And this happens in many ways. Firstly, by taking time to know our children. And I really mean know them. Not know their name. Right? Know them. Each child is unique in their character. Each child is unique in how Allah has engineered them. They're unique. Some children are naturally introverts. Some are naturally extroverts. Some are naturally perceivers. Whilst others are naturally sensory. Everybody's different. You as a mother and father need to take out time to understand your child. You can't paint each child with the same paintbrush. You can't. That this child started walking at this age, so this child must start walking at this age. He's not walking, there's a problem with him. Call, call the NHS. Make an appointment. We need to... This child spoke at this age. This child isn't. There's a mushkila here. Or if the first child was late in speaking and the second one was quicker, you see, your, brother, your younger brother is cleverer than you. Right? It doesn't work like this. Each child has their own amazing attributes. Take our time to learn their special unique characters so you as a parent can evolve these characters and make it better. If your child is naturally an extrovert, if you understand this and are diligent in the upbringing, that same extrovert that naturally can become a proud and arrogant person, you can make them a humble person. Proud, not arrogant. Proud of who they are. Proud of the religion they have. Proud of you as parents and what you shared with them. But humble in that they appreciate the quality that they've been given. But if we leave this child to run wild, they won't know. And it's not their fault. They were never meant to know. It is as if they told us when they were born, my dear mother and father, I know nothing. And I never had any opportunity to pick my parents. And even if I did, I wouldn't know how to. 
Allah has placed me in your care. Do right by me. This is basically it. Do right by me. This is what our children are telling us. Right? So take our time to learn them, their personalities, understand them, and nurture them appropriately. Some children you can be stern, and it will be for their betterment. Others you can be stern, and it will be to their disadvantage. Not so. We learn the hard way, isn't it? Some are smiling because they learn the hard way. Parenting is not, you know, when we go to school, they say trial and error. Let's have one child, let's try. We failed, khalas. Back to the drawing boards, let's have the next one. We failed, khalas. Back to the drawing boards. <laughs> it's an amala. It doesn't work like this. It doesn't work like this. Right? So, understand them. And understand how to be with them. As I said, some children, you stern, it helps. If you're not stern, it breeds retrogression in their lives. Some, no, you have to be soft and more caring. What's that word they use? Sensitive. You've got to be more sensitive to their needs. And that's from you being a parent. Who said parenting was easy? It's not. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it a means of you earning your jannah. So it requires effort. 